The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to open up the hollowed halls of leadership. It's time to figure out what the secrets are to being a successful leader and running a successful organization. It's time for VoltCast Illuminating Leadership. Your host is Jeff Smith, an executive coach and business leader who has over two decades of forward-thinking executive leadership as a human resources and operations professional. Now, Jeff and his guest experts are ready to share their tips and studies with you. Now, here is Jeff Smith. Welcome to Voltage Leadership. This is our VoltCast, Illuminating Leadership. I'm your host, Jeff Smith. We are so happy that you could be with us today. It's going to be a great day. We're going to have a conversation around teams, and one of the questions we get a ton is, my team's not working very well. What should I be doing? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. And so I've got uh, Jennifer Owen O'Quill, who I'll introduce in just a moment, but I want to make sure that if you're trying to get in contact with us, you would know how to contact us. So our website is www.voltageleadership.com. If you want to email me, it's jeff at voltageleadership.com. You can like us on Facebook at Voltage Leadership. You can connect with me on LinkedIn at Jeff Smith Voltage Leadership Consulting. Follow me on Twitter at JMU Jeff. And we're just really excited. We've got Jennifer Owen O'Quill back today. She has worked with us previously uh, in discussing conversational intelligence. Jennifer works at Voltage Leadership and is the leadership director there. She has over 20 years of leadership experience in many areas. She's a fantastic consultant working with awesome companies and helping them achieve their highest potential. Jennifer is married to David and has a wonderful eight-year-old son that she just loves to play with. And we're just so happy that you're back, Jennifer. So welcome back. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Absolutely. So, Jennifer, you know, we do get this question all the time in our practice. Folks come and just say, wow, Jeff, we got a problem. Jennifer, we got a problem. The team's not performing up to par. What do I do? So where do you start when you get that kind of question? I've, I've got some thoughts, but, you know, maybe you can kick us off. Well, the first thing I do is ask questions. I ask, uh, why are you feeling the way you're feeling? And what are you seeing? Sometimes it's that you feel that you... You feel the problem, but you don't really think about why you feel like it's not right and what actually is going on, whether it's people aren't talking to each other or are there missed decisions and deadlines. What is creating the problem and the tension that you're feeling? Is it really the outcome that you're looking for? Is it really the uh, behaviors that you're looking for on the way there? Is there the wrong strategy? Is there the wrong process? They're just arguments in the room. What's going on? So that's I always start with curiosity. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, curious is a great word for us. Um, I think anytime we have these situations, I ask people to be curious. I try to ask them not to judge so much either. Lots of times they say that it comes in as sort of an interpersonal conflict. So I know that as we go through the show, that's something that we'll talk about and we'll we'll address a little bit. I challenge them to say, 
you know, rarely is it just interpersonal conflict. You know, it'll often be like, oh, you know, head of sales has got a problem with uh, maybe marketing or head of sales and operations got a challenge. Or maybe it's, you know, our product development and someone over here in quality. We've got challenges, right? I ask them to get a little higher and just say, hmm, let's think about this. You know, are we sure that we're all on the same page with some mission? Do we have the right vision? Do we have the goals? Mm, do we have decisions? You know, clear criteria on that. So yesterday I was with a with a group and they just had trouble with some clarity around who makes decisions. When is it the CEO's turn to make decisions? When does it team decisions? When do the vice presidents make decisions? So one of the questions I would have is, you know, when we think about maybe best teams, what do you what do you see on best teams? Let's start with the best teams and then we'll work our way to, to some worst teams. So let's start with a good news place. So Jennifer, tell me about some best teams. It's always fun to start with best teams. When you see that there, I find there's electricity in the room, there's engagement. These are teams that know how to play hard together. And by playing hard, I mean thinking hard together, asking the tough questions. They create environments where the ideas get discussed and rustled down all the way to the ground where people leave with clear ideas about who's doing what. And that the decision that gets made is usually not someone's decision. It's usually pieces of several people's idea that get put together and uh, because every idea has been taken apart. So there isn't just a swallowing of the, the thoughts and the thinking in the room. And there's also a, a investigation of, is this the right way to do it? There's the way we've always done it, but is this way going to win for the next thing we need to do? So that those two questions, is this going to win for the next thing we need to do? And have we had everyone's idea and we figured out how to put the best one together? Mm, I like that. For me, um, building on that, yes, and I'd say there are things like the right people at the table, like they have complementary skills, you know, and so we have people that might be a great driver, but somebody else might be able to be reflective and say, what's the process that we need? So I, I like that there's complementary skills. I like that there's respect, right? So I don't have to love you. I don't even really have to like you, but I got to respect your ability. So uh, another team I'm working with right now, they don't always want to be in the same room together, playing together necessarily. They wouldn't necessarily go out for drinks afterwards to socialize. But you can see the respect that each person on the team has for each other. And so I think when you get to that place where there's respect, my highest performing teams that I get to work with, they have some fun too. There's some creativity. There's recognition. There's some spontaneity. And there's some joy. You know, so for, for the listeners, what I'd say is you don't have to have all these things to have the perfect team. Each team will have its own. I've got another high-performing team that I don't think they're real high on the fun quotient, but boy, they're passionate and they're excited and they challenge and they keep it in the room. So if they've got a challenge, they do it in the room, not in the hallway. So that might lead us to some of the folks that uh, maybe are working on, on some teams that are like, Jeff, that doesn't sound like my team. It sounds more like the team that's like, Charlie Brown's teacher. They're, they're not in harmony. There's stuff going on. Tell me about maybe some of the worst teams that you see and what, what are the characteristics of that team? Well, to pick up on what you said about hallways, something happens in the hallway there too. And what happens in the room is not actually uh, productive. And then what happens in the hallway tends to be even more destructive. So when you get to the hallway of a team that's not working well, there's side conversations, there's infighting, there's uh, gathering your gang of people to battle the other gang of people to get your decision through. And so instead of figuring out a, a, a strategy and a ground game for the whole team, there are camps and there's infighting. There's also siloed behavior and and 
the inability to think across the across the whole business and not have that be, have a value inside of the room. And so when you're thinking about what's best for your area, but you don't figure out how it works across the whole business, there's a huge hole in your decision making. And the other people feel that because they experience that as you don't see my area of concern and you don't value my part and every piece of a business contributes from compliance to operations to business development all of those places contribute to the success of a business and how they come together and work together that's uh, that can be tricky when you're good at different things absolutely <clears throat> yeah all those things absolutely important you know to me it's um they don't regularly get together either. They almost go out of their way to avoid each other. Uh, I'd also say that uh, it's not even a team. It's really just a, a group of individuals that kind of come together, to your point. Uh, they represent their silos, their piece of the business. And it's just, you can feel the tension. You can cut it with a knife. There is often um, a lack of respect. I, I'm not even going to value your opinion. I truly, I stop listening you know, so uh, practically what I see in some of our groups, you know, there are people spending more time on the computer or on their uh, phones than they are in actually making eye contact and staying engaged in that room. They want to be anywhere but that room. <laughs> and so those are some, some of the worst teams. Uh, there's a concept that I want to introduce here. Uh, it's called the outward mindset versus an inward mindset. This comes from a book from the Arbinger Institute. And uh, stay tuned. Uh, they've asked if they can be on the show with us. So uh, planning on doing that here in the next couple of months. But the Arbinger Institute, again, wrote this book, The Outward Mindset. And what an outward mindset is when the behaviors of the individuals on the team work towards a collective result, that's an outward mindset. An inward mindset is when the behaviors of the individuals support their area, their silo, or their own uh, things that they need. And so when I see a best team, there is a collective result. There is a common purpose and they pull together and the behaviors support each other. And that can be a great thing. Yeah. I would say that that's exactly what I see. It's the ability that people have to share a common goal, a common sense of purpose, and to know that just because the resources might not be coming to their area, if success is described as success for the group, and that means that some people get less in one season and get more in the next, but if they still feel appreciated, valued, and respected in the process, and that they know that they can't always be at the front of the line, uh, getting the choices and resources of time and talent in the group, and, and it's the right season for them later, when, when everybody feels still, if the organization is winning, they're winning, that is a that's a team that's marching in the same direction and everybody's enjoying themselves good so i want to introduce a uh, model here the waterline model and so um it's a great model it's it's out there it's originally adapted from uh, harrison in 1979 the waterline model you can find it online just google it um so some suggestions to have a high performing team Make sure that you've got a really strong mission and vision. So I'm working with uh, one organization, uh, actually Jennifer and I are both in the same organization here, uh, where there isn't a clear-cut mission and vision statement. And so what ends up happening is each individual sort of area, they kind of pull in their own direction. And so when there's this interpersonal conflict, a lot of times it's because they don't know what the mission is. Should they be supporting their own sort of area, their department? 
or the greater good. And since they don't know the greater good, they sort of go to that inward mindset and focus on what's close to them. Once you know you've got a good mission and vision, then you want to make sure that you've got the right structure. And what I mean by structure is, do all the members share and can they articulate the primary goals? Do they know how decisions are going to be made? Who's doing what, when, why, how, all those kind of things. Again, with the group that I was working with earlier this week, that was the problem. The decision making. Who makes the decisions? There's real heartburn about what happens when the CEO makes a decision and vice versa. Is it a vice president's decision? My uh, uh, breakfast from earlier today, we had a, a similar thing. I was talking to the CEO, and they're all waiting on him to make all the decisions. Well, we've got to establish those structure, roles, and goals. Next, what's the group norm? What's happening in the group setting? This is maybe getting down to the department level. Who's in? Who's out? Who's influencing? How do we handle conflict? How do we know that we have the right people in the right group? Now, once we get down to that, we're ready for interpersonal. Are there challenges between interpersonal? Absolutely. What I'm saying, though, is that look up above at mission, structure, and group before we get bogged down into the interpersonal. And then ultimately, we get down to an individual. There's certainly times when an individual is just underperforming, and we need to have that discussion. But that should probably be the 20% that we look at the individual and the interpersonal. It's the 80% where we should be looking at, all right, do we hit the right things or not? So if everything's going well, Hey, we don't have to check in on that stuff. But when you're having breakdowns, we need to get below the waterline and look at all of these things. Make sense, Jennifer? It does. It does. Cool. So let's do this, Jennifer. Um, I know that, that we've got some really great things around uh, a teamwork cycle that we've been working with in our practice. So after the break, we're going to come back and we're going to say, how do we help implement things like waterline, this outward mindset, and be able to do it understanding this teamwork cycle? So when we come back from break, we'll pick up on Teamwork Cycle. So we'll see you in two minutes. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. 
To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at voltageleadership.com. Now back to VoltCast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back. I am so glad you're with us. I'm here today with Jennifer Owen O'Quill, the Leadership Director at Voltage Leadership Consulting. Before the break, we were talking about uh, teams, that's the theme of our day, the waterline model, and quite honestly, some great teams and some not so great teams. What we want to be able to do for our listeners is to be able to say, how can we help you know the characters on your team to be able to get to maybe a more effective place to work with people and understand that there actually is a cycle that the team goes through. And so we use a concept called the team work cycle. And so Jennifer, I know that you've been doing this a ton with, with our companies. Could you maybe just walk us through the model and help us understand exactly what is the team work cycle? Absolutely, Jeff. So here's what a team work cycle looks like. Teamwork cycle takes you from beginning to end, from the vision of a project all the way through its execution. So in step one or phase one of a teamwork cycle, it's when the vision gets cast. It's when the uh, task gets broadly defined, when it's clear what the mission for that season is going to be. So that's the initiation project uh, process. Uh, Phase two is the ideation phase of teamwork cycle. That's when you come up with the different ideas. You think about all the different ways you might accomplish that big dream or that big goal or accomplish that project. You also identify what other outside resources you might have to bring to bear on that project. And then you move into phase three. Uh, That's the elaboration process. When you plan out how you're going to do it when you really look and resolve the conflicts about different ways to accomplish something and then phase four is completion that's when you actually go and execute you do the work and you get the results you measure them and you find out how you did so going through that whole phase ideation i think initiation is, no, it is initiation yes, that's, right. <laughs> that's all right from initiation to ideation to elaboration and completion, those four phases are what take us all the way through a teamwork cycle. And when we spend equal time in each of them, we get a great result. Yeah, so, you know, that's fantastic. What I like to talk about when when I'm working with folks is, we have to be good at all of them as a leader, right? So we don't get to just pick one and say, I am only the initiator, I'm only in completion execution, right? And so some leaders get that confused. As I work with folks, I ask them, though, what's your preference? Like, we all have preferences. So in my case, I love ideation. Uh, you know, Jennifer's laughing, and, and I'm sure, uh, you know, Lee and Marissa out there from the company are, are totally with me. We, we love ideation. Let's think of all the ideas. Well, the downside, though, is that some of those ideas actually have to get to fruition. And so we need each member of the team to be able to do it all, but we should know what our preferences are. And so if you have someone's preferences elaboration, you might not want them in ideation because that might stress them out. But they're thinking, I've got to do all this work. So the elaborators are the really good project managers. And they take the 27 ideas down to the top three ideas and say, how do I go about getting this? How do we fund it? But it all starts with initiation. So in your mind, what's the value of the initiator on a team? The value of the initiator on a team is that the initiators, when, when that goes well, there's such a clear vision and process for how and what and why you're doing what you're doing. So you get clear about the purpose of the 
activity. So here's an example. There's a company you and I both work in where it wasn't clear what the why was. Mm. And while everybody had the capacity to be doing the work, nobody knew why. And so they weren't motivated to do it. And without the why, they were confused about how to go about it, what level of importance it had, what it was going to do for the organization in the future. And so uh, it was a matter, it was a really important time to pause and go back to the leadership and say, you need to articulate your why. They need to know why they're doing what they're doing because it is getting in the way of the speed of the organization because they're naturally resisting doing work that they're all able to do because they don't understand why. Mm. And so that's what's really important about having a clear why in a business. And when the why starts to shift, that's something else we could talk about. <laughs> okay, good. So let's uh, recap here. So we need initiators. They, they they scan the environment, the horizon. They figure out what it is that we need to do. They help prioritize and say, go this direction. Then the ideators pick up and say, given that that's our direction, here's all the ways that we can have all the ideas. So Steve Jobs says to uh, Apple, we're going to concentrate in this thing called uh, iPhones. We're going to do phones. Then the ideators are like, well, we probably need app stores and we need uh, the ability to have iTunes. And, you know, here's all the different possibilities. Lately, I guess, is we don't need headphones. But, you know, it's all the ideation. Then we move over to elaboration and say, all right, given that set of ideas, knowing what our big why is, here's our recommendation for the top two or three. Here's how we actually, you know, put the project plan and do it. And then completion execution, they go and deliver the product, right? They get the product out the door. They get it to the Apple stores. We're doing great. All right. So we need all four. All right. So what happens though when the initiator isn't the boss, right? Can, you know, it sounds like that we can be an initiator from any spot. But boy, that can ca- probably cause some role clarity and things when the initiator is not the boss. What do you see in that situation? A couple of things can happen. When the initiator is not the boss and the boss is not the initiator, mm. there can be conflict. Oh, boy. Unless there's a really good partnership between the leader and the person with the vision. Okay. And when there's a good, when, when, a, when a great executor or a great elaborator or a great ideator comes across someone with great vision and they get along and they're aligned, great things can happen mm-hmm. because that leader needed that person. But if there's two initiators, so the leader has initiation and so does a follower, but they don't have good alignment between them, then what you get is conflict. Mm-hmm. And you get an unempowered, typically an unempowered uh, follower and an angry leader. <laughs> <laughs> Let's avoid that. We don't want that. <laughs> People are probably like, oh, that's my team. So we'll, we'll get into that. Um, in a moment, we're going to shift into some team chartering. And, and I think that helps with the process a bit. Um, what I also would recommend from that perspective is um, you don't have to be the CEO, CFO, COO, whatever, to be an initiator. Um, any, you can be a leader in any of these places. I currently coach a CFO at a 23,000 person organization who's very comfortable in execution completion. That's his preferred spot. So he's had to say, okay, I've got people on my team that can help me with initiation, but I know I need to help set the course. So he goes into that role, but he really wants to get back into execution. And so just know that we have to be good in all this, but part of it is understanding your team, looking around the team and saying, what phase are we in? And who should be leading this phase? And so it's a nice sort of baton handoff. Make sense? It does make sense. Good. It does make sense. Well, then what we often will then say, okay, now we understand a teamwork cycle. We understand sort of our vision, our goals. Let's create a team charter. Okay, well, I know that's not the Magna Carta. I know that's not, you know, that we have to etch it on the inside of our arm. But this team charter seems like a vague concept. 
let's talk about the team charter. What, what do you use the team charter for? Maybe give an example of how you've used a team charter, Jennifer. So team charters work with teams in crisis and teams that are doing great and teams that are wanting to perform better. Mm. Really, the question is, is there real clarity about how you're going to be together? And is there real crystal clear clarity about your why? And it's something that needs to be revisited regularly. So every year, I think these charters need to be renewed. It isn't something that you do once and put on a shelf. It's something that gives momentum and focus to an organization on a regular basis. So what's included in a team charter? I mean, I, you know, I've, I write it myself, but, you know, as you sort of work on a team charter, what, what types of things do you include? For me, I'll just start, I'll give a couple examples I always like to, to know. Um, I like to know the strengths of the people on the team, you know, so that I can understand how do we actually come together and what are our collective strengths so we know how to draw upon that. Um, I also would definitely want sort of mission vision statements so that I know our greater purpose to how to use those strengths. Uh, I also like to know how are decisions made around here? And so what's going to be our decision-making process? So those are the first couple that I always hit. What do you use when you're doing the team charter? I think I also like to know what people's desired outcomes are and what their own personal pace is. Mm. I think that's important to get out on the table because when we are all, we all run at a different pace, but to be clear about uh, where the organization is going to run and what pace (laughs) the organization is going to have, because whether or not you you run at a faster pace or a slower pace, there needs to be common agreement about the pace of the organization so that we can set our own personal pace to achieve what the organization needs. So when we're clear and transparent about that, that allows us to avoid some of the chemistry problems that happen inside businesses when they pick people that have uh, the wrong idea about the pace, when the pace is hidden or not explicit that we expect. Uh, when organizations say, honestly, we work at a fast pace here and that's what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we're a traditional group and we want to take it slow. We're a, we're a steady institution. When you hear those words, it's important to pay attention to them because they have something to do with uh, the agreements that that group needs to make about how they're going to be together so that they can be aligned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, that's great. I think it's um, the how we're going to be together is really what a charter is. So to boil it down to the, the big words, it's sort of what are we going to do and how are we going to be together? And so that can be what behaviors are we going to use in our group and get real specific, right? So are phones allowed in the room or not? You know, are we checking emails in the room or are we not? And if we're not, then how do we call each other out on it? Uh, the more specific you can get, the better clarity on that, go for it because that helps to break down sort of those artificial barriers. Other things like, um, how are we actually going to deal with conflict? And state that up front and say, here's how we're going to lean into conflict or, you know, we're going to handle it a different way. I've got other groups that uh, they, they will pass around, um, you know, an actual ball uh, or a stick to allow people to talk so they don't speak over each other. So set up some ground rules on that. Does the person that's in front of the room lead it? All these things matter. You know, other teams like to rotate. Uh, who leads a meeting, but we need to know that. And often the chartering process can bring those things out. So, you know, any other best practices around the the chartering process you'd like to share at this point? I would say that when you come up with the values that drive an organization and often we'll hear trust or respect or have a positive attitude or communication is important, get very specific, like you said, about what behaviors exactly you're looking for to get that result. And that really helps clarify what's in and what's out. Well, wow, some great ideas, Jennifer. Thanks, thanks for all those. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to come back after the break. We're going to get practical. We're going to talk about some of the, the best practices we see with our teams. We'll give you a few different ideas, maybe even share you know, where we've seen the charters uh, implemented effectively. So we'll come back in two minutes and give you some best practices tips. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at voltageleadership.com. Now back to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back. We've been having a great discussion. I've got Jennifer Owen O'Quill, the Leadership Director at Voltage Leadership Consulting here today. And we've been having an awesome conversation about teams. And we've been talking about things like waterline model, best teams, worst teams. We've also been talking about how do you go about writing a team charter and why is that important? And this thing called the team work cycle. So we're going to continue this conversation about where we've actually put the team charter in place and it's worked effectively. So Jennifer, maybe to give me an example from one of your clients where the team charter has been put in place and it's really been effective and helped move the team. One of the two different places that come to mind and one of the things, even a great team that comes together, when they have that initial conversation, if they haven't had it intentionally before of how are we going to be together, often they know the why, which is why things are going well. And they agree with the why. So (laughs) often that's already in place. But the missing piece is we haven't taken the time to talk about the how. And that's the values piece and to build on that. So yes, these are the values that we have, but how are they going to show up? What do we really need from each other? Uh, in order to be successful. So uh, when it when it works well, some, some of the questions I might, I might ask the group are, um, what do you need to bring your best self to work? Mm-hmm. And when you've been doing the most extraordinary work, what have been the conditions that created 
that experience. And then they talk about that and they think about it and they go back to those places in their professional lives and they're able to describe the environment. And once we have a picture of that environment in the room, we're able to say, okay, these are the things that are shared, right? These are the things that we all need. And uh, and then what do you do? So you leave the room. I try to leave the room with no more than five things, five behaviors we're, we're going to drive for. And oftentimes, what, as I said before, we'll see respect on the list mm. or communication, honest communication on the list. Uh, depending on how the trust has been in the past, trust might rate really high on the list. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in some places, there's actual explicit uh, conversation about pace. And I know that that was actually true in our business. The sure. pace mattered and had the pace that we ran at and the pace that we were trying to set other uh, as a way to lead other organizations so that they didn't burn out. Sure. That that's mm-hmm. an important thing to pay attention to. Uh, being clear about exactly what behaviors are underneath those and then to revisit Revisit that in a, where is this going to be placed inside? Are you going to look at it every week when you meet? Just to repeat them, just to talk about how they've, what what of those values have been fairly important to your success this week. Another way to uh, keep that inside of the business regularly, besides that weekly reference point, is to revisit them and also plan for failure. So to talk when you create them about what you're going to do when you break them. So that there's a, yes, these are great ideas, these are values, and we will mess up. Right. There will be mistakes and missteps and misunderstandings. And how are we going to come together again and walk through that? And that is, I think, the really most important part when teams get really resilient. No, thank you, Jennifer. Let me let me build on a couple of those things. So uh, one of the things that I, I use, I call it the pre-mortem. And so as we're going through the, the process and we're talking on the front end, we know we're gonna we're gonna break some of these by accident. Right. And so it just becomes a, okay, when this happens, how are we going to handle it? It's a lot easier when we're at the, at the outset um, to go ahead and do that. And I know that, look, um, there's not a perfect time. Okay. And so don't wait for perfect timing. You know, if you want to uh, elevate the performance of the team right now, let's just start now. Let's do a team charter now and take the time. So I've mentioned this thing time a couple of times. One of the things we have to do is we have to work on ourselves. We have to find time to work on the business. We do that well. We don't do such a great job of working on ourselves. We're always having operational meetings, but what about how do we interact as a team? All I can tell you is that the people that have invested in that, those are the ones that have the highest level of performance with the organizations that we work with. Another thought there was, good, I hear this thing called values, and I see a few of the listeners probably rolling their eyes like, golly, values. Yeah, I know it's really hard to sit down and have a conversation about values when back in operations, you got two people that have called in sick or something's happened today on the floor and it's just crazy. But at the end of the day, values are what the whole organization needs to rally around to be able to say, this is how we are with each other. This is critical. And the ones that really are are top-notch organizations, it's not that they can uh, quote verbatim always the values, but they know how to live them. They know how to reinforce the behaviors and do it. And so as a leader, take time to get to those values and reinforce the values in your organizations. Yeah, good stuff. And huh? be specific. Yes. Very specific. Absolutely, Jennifer. Well, let's get a little uh, down into the weeds here. So all good concepts. Let's get to a few best practices. So we'll start this here and, and continue, continue sort of best practices and ideas throughout the rest of the show. So I'll start. One of the best practices I see is that uh, the highly effective teams that I work with, 
they meet often. And it comes in a variety of different ways. So one organization, uh, they're just doing fantastic. Uh, they have grown significantly from sort of small to they've now moved up into this mid-sized company. They get together every quarter for two days and they review how did the past quarter go on day one? And on day two, what's the next quarter look like? And then they do, uh, in fourth quarter, two meetings. They do one for that quarter and then another one for the upcoming year. And so this time together, and believe me, they're busy and there is no extra overhead in this company and, and all that kind of stuff. But what has happened um, over this two and a half year journey that I've been with them on is that they've just consistently been able to produce better and better results because they take the time to work together. They had done all the right stuff on the front end, the chartering and all that, but taking the time with a focused agenda, they come prepared, they know what they're here to discuss, and this, the first day is about reviewing the past uh, quarter, what went right, what could we have done differently, doing an after-action review of the quarter, and what were the lessons learned, and so I would say that was one of the most critical things. The other in that was they generally use a facilitator. So that they're able to, each person can really be in the team and be a team member and let someone else facilitate the meeting. So they almost always use a facilitator. Sometimes it's an external facilitator like us. Other times it's someone from another department that they can come in and help them to be able to do it. So those are, those are you know, one or two tips early. How about for you? I think the practice of building on what works mm. is helpful mm-hmm. to find out what's working right now and see where that can be replicated or where that brilliance can be shared. That's very important, that practice of recognizing success, but also not just great job, but these are the things that worked about that. Tell us about it. The other uh, practice I see in team charter uh, work is that if you're gathering around a set of values and and they're repeated and shared, then the meeting itself tends to be not a conversation of presentations, but an <laughs> attack of a problem. Right. And one of the things that I see on great teams is this question of, we've heard all these issues that are pressing for you. What is the one we're going to solve today? What's the most important one for us to give our time to? So there's a sense that everyone's time is valuable and a real awareness that if we're putting this much thinking power in the room together, we should use it mm-hmm. to solve the biggest problems that the organization is facing. Yeah, so good. That's an engaged team, right? Um, Again, uh, earlier um, this month, really, uh, conversation with a team that just wasn't engaged with each other, and I had to call them on it. You know, it was acceptable to kind of move in and move out of the meeting, and uh, if you're 10, 12 minutes late, that was acceptable. If you need to live 10 minutes early, that was acceptable. And so I just said, guys, you know, when we really look at it, it was a group about seven of how many times we actually had all seven here and fully engaged, and this was about a two-hour setting, I said, we probably only had about 60 minutes of full engagement engagement out of two hours. And so I think a best practice, too, is define your rules up front and be comfortable calling each other out. Mm-hmm. Additionally, I think it's a really important to know, what's the desired outcome for our day? Okay, so I don't know. We could have said, here's what we're going to do. I'm picturing back, there was a a moment when I was doing some work with Cleveland Clinic, and we were uh, facilitating uh, the Serving Leader program for them. And we came in, and we had uh, the other facilitator, myself, we had our plan for the day. We were ready to go. All all of a sudden, we looked, and we asked the question, what uh, has been going well for your organization? So that's a question we always ask, what's going well? And what's your desired outcome for today? Well, about four people in, everyone 
had, had this just weird look on their face and the desired outcomes were all over the board. We're like, hold on, let's just even stop. What is going on? And what had happened was an announcement had gone out that morning that there was going to be some major organizational changes. And this group had not been particularly involved in that. And so they just wanted to get back to the workplace to be able to have conversations with their teams and be with their teams. We could have pushed through our agenda as a team and it had been an okay day, but the engagement level would have been terrible. And so I think it's also the ability as a team to be able to say, what's our desired outcome for today and make adjustments to get to the highest level priority. So to wrap up that story, what we did was said, okay, let's do this. Let's figure out how you're going to go back and have a conversation. Let's script it out. And they went back and they had conversations for two hours. We met back after lunch and did four hours. Sure, we missed part of the day. That's okay. We could, we could come back to it. So I think best teams know the desired outcome for the time that they're together, but they're also flexible enough to say, hey, but there might be something greater that we need to do, which means there was a conversation about what are we going to do in the room together today, and we listen to each other. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think also uh, time, sometimes teams resist work meeting together to get the work done. I'm too busy. I've got too much going on. My area's priorities are too intense. I can't stop and do the meeting because my pace is so intense. And that is such a miss because the direct communication and the shared conversation and the ability to get the brilliance of your colleagues mm. uh, to help you think better is so important. That pause and the change of thinking really helps the ability for the business to continue to be strategic. So that's the other thing of not forgetting the meeting or setting aside the, the meeting time. You'll do that if the meeting doesn't have purpose. But if the meeting feels like it has purpose and it solves problems mm-hmm. and it makes people better on the other side of it, they'll come and they'll be engaged. Yeah. So let me just say a few things there. Jennifer, awesome. You mean we should have an agenda? We should have an agenda. Okay, so we should have an agenda. It's a shared agenda. Mm-hmm. We should have roles and responsibilities outlined. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> and I know folks there that uh, not all the listeners know, know me well. Um, I am not the most organized dude in the world, right? So uh, when I'm saying these things, I am not the one that normally would bring the most structure to the world. You would not. No, I would not. Thank you, Jennifer, for that feedback. (laughs) It is so true. However, you've been in plenty of our team meetings. You know, they're relatively structured. They're not perfect, but they're relatively structured. And so what I would say is the more that you have the agenda, who is going to do what role, who's going to be the one that take notes, who's going to be the one that's going to follow up with action items, who's going to uh, actually facilitate the meeting, the cleaner you can get on that, I mean, that just sets you up for success. I can't tell you the number of meetings that I walk into where I'm asked to observe or give feedback and you're like, what are they doing here? What? Why are we? And earlier um, in one of our earlier podcasts, we had Scott Evelyn and we talked about how so many of our folks are like racked and stacked. And what that means is that you've got meeting after meeting after meeting all day. And so you never have time to think about even what you're doing. So you just show up at the meeting and just kind of spout everything. So again, having a clear agenda, knowing your role, and having the facilitators, absolutely critical. I'm sure you're going to agree with that, right? I do agree with that. And I will say that when you said role first, it's not the role that you have at work. It's the role that you have in the meeting and, mm. the, and the outcome that the meeting is going to get is different than maybe the role that you play day in and day out and be willing to sit in the right role for that group. Oh, that's brilliant. So you, you mean we have different roles in different teams? I get it. Yeah, absolutely important. And look, the CEO is not always the one that has to lead the meeting. The, the department manager is not always the one that has to lead a meeting. It's important to know. And so maybe it's also going back to our team work cycle. If we're in a meeting of ideation and that's not your favorite thing, let somebody else lead that meeting. So be willing to hand off. So 
Jennifer, just some some really good practical tips. I'm looking forward to us continuing that conversation about practical tips. So when we come back from break, what we're going to do is we're going to continue some of our best practices on tips and tools that we see on high-performing teams. So we'll join you right back after break in two minutes. Thanks. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What sets apart voiceamerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main voiceamerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Volcast Illuminating Leadership. To reach Jeff Smith or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jeff at VoltageLeadership.com. Now, back to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Welcome back. We're so glad that you could join us today. And, you know, it's just been a fantastic experience for us. We've got listeners from all over the world, from China to um, Iran to Canada to South America and uh, all over the U.S. So really thanks for, for being connected with us, for wanting to hear us. And I hope you've been enjoying the conversation with Jennifer Owen O'Quill from Voltage Leadership. We're going to wrap up our conversation today. We've been talking about teams, uh, best teams, worst teams, uh, and best practices. Uh, So we're going to just continue the conversation around some of our favorite tools and tips. Um, So, Jennifer, you know, we had a little break here. You know, just think up another tool or tip that we can share with our listeners. Well, the one thing I circle back to that I need myself (laughs) that I wouldn't want to leave the listener without is that there's an area uh, that you might resist in teamwork cycle, right? When you're having your scope of work, it's whether you're a vision person or an idea person or a plan person or an executor person. If there's a place in that 
cycle that you resist, be sure and have a great thinking partner. And it might actually feel a little uncomfortable for you to be with that person Mm. because they're good at things that you don't naturally go to. That's the most important meeting you can have. I can think of the elaborators that I know that are excellent with plans. Their pace is different. The way they think is different. That's the most important person for me to think alongside because their brilliance is the piece that I'm missing. So I think it's important to really be self-reflective and self-aware. What am I not good at? And it might be the thing that makes me uncomfortable and the people that are around me and who then can fill in and help me with that. Yeah, I think that's just brilliant. Uh, my friend Carl Wilson, who uh, used to work at um, Cleveland Clinic, is now at Tableau and also on the show. Um, Cara is that person for me from a, uh, I'm good at the ideation and the brainstorming. She is such a great elaborator and just does such a good job of saying, okay, Jeff, that was a really great idea. Now, practically, how are we going to get it done? And we have seven minutes to do it. I'm like, oh, yeah, Cara, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And she just has it. And so sometimes it feels like in our dance, uh, and and uh, my wife, Beth, is, is very much that way, too. She's uh, an elaborator and executor. It sometimes feels like they're stepping on my toes. But because we have that trust with each other, it doesn't feel that way, right? Because there's so much camaraderie and good feelings towards each other. When Cara, Beth, etc., when they do that, I respect them for it. And so I make sure that I come back to it. And I, I give them permission, too. So I think part of a good team is giving permission to give me feedback. You know, so I would want to make sure that people know feedback is critical in teams, right? And feedback is everything. So feedback is a gift. It's just not easily received often, right? And so positive feedback, I blush. Uh, Developmental feedback, I might be defensive and push back. So high-performing teams have practices of giving feedback. And so ways to do that, do an after-action review, maybe the end of the meeting, maybe it's the end of the offsite, maybe it's the end of the quarter. How have we been doing it as a team? What's the one thing that if we could do different as a team that would make us better? Ask that question. What's one thing that we did well this quarter, this month, this team meeting that went great? Be open to that feedback. Now, when you get courageous, go around the room to each other and say, what's the one thing that you do that helps our team move forward? And what's the one thing that if you could do better, it would make our team even better. When you're able to have that honesty, boy, that team is set up for success. I would agree with that. And figuring out how to ask the right question to get not confirmation about your opinion of yourself, really (laughs) something that is going to help instruct you about how you can grow and what will be the most helpful way for you to grow in that relationship with that person to get their brilliance to shine. So that's a different conversation with different people. It's really about creating the right question that's going to allow that person to answer honestly. Honestly, right. Well, and I I do want to go back to also, recognition, you know, so we've talked about it uh, in our in previous shows, five to one, five positive comments for every negative. Hey, you can go too far. If you get to 13 to one, well, we're in Kumbaya land, we're just singing together, and we're not really holding each other accountable. Most teams are probably at a one to one, one positive for one negative, or even worse, two negatives for every positive. And so best teams, find ways to play together, celebrate together, hit the goal, and really be successful but they take time for recognition. And so I know that when we get to work with folks, recognition is really important. And so the more that we can do that, wow, that can make for a great team. 
and specific recognition yes, so that you, you know exactly what to repeat. Yes. It's, you are so right. It's a great job in the meeting. You started on time, you ended on time, and you gave us a chance to really wrestle down the problem. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Everybody contributed, and I felt great about it. That way, the facilitator knows what to do next. Fantastic. I love that feedback about me. Oh, wait, you were just being specific, not about me, <laughs> Jennifer. Thank you, though. So let's just wrap up here with a couple of things that I took from today's show. Um, teams, we got to work at it to make it work, right? You can't just expect to show up in the same room once a week and have it work, right? So whether that's a, uh, do we have a check-in on Mondays? Do we have a check-in on Fridays? I don't know what your process is, how often you need to meet, but best teams meet on a regular basis. They have a common vision, a mission, and that might have been done in a team charter so that we're really clear. We write it down, we revisit it, and we come back to it. We don't assume that when something's happening on a team, it's an interpersonal conflict. We might go a little higher and say, let's look and see, is there really a group dynamic problem? And how do we work on that? Then we have really great things like clean agendas. We know role clarity, who's going to do what. We also take time to recognize, give feedback. And you know what? We try to get together on a regular basis so we can be together and not avoid each other. Jennifer, did I miss any, anything that you'd like to add there? I would just go back. The last thing that I think of is that water line. When mm. you see problems popping up above the surface, start with, if I, do they know why? Right? Yeah. Is the structure right for who we are today? Do I have the right people on the team? Are my goals clear? And then, okay, now how's the team working? And maybe there actually is a problem with an individual. It's almost the last thing to be curious about. Yeah, yeah. Down under the waterline. Absolutely. So there are times where it is an individual problem. Absolutely. So the the real thing, though, is that often it's something that's just not quite working in the team dynamic. I love it when a team really hums, though. It is so much fun to be able to be able to see them successful uh, and to be able to achieve the goals. I would say that there are far more teams that I get to work with that are having success than are really dysfunctional, right? They may come in with a few things, but I try to pull them back. Uh, I think you like to use the word zoom out. You know, I like to help them zoom out, Jennifer, and say, look at this. So you still have 18% growth. Congratulations, right? So that's the fun part of our job is help them celebrate, right? That's right. We get to see it more clearly because we have the, it's not happening to us. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) We're not perfect either. There are times that we have to work on ourselves. We have to do active action interviews. We do our planning. We we live these things too. And believe me, you know, we're always trying to sharpen our own saw and get better ourselves. Mm -hmm. So listeners, Thank you so much. Jennifer, thank you for being here. Pleasure to always, be here. Always such a great uh, time together. Uh, you inspire me. You help me get better. You challenge me to be the best. One thing that I'll wrap up with that Jennifer does really well is that she asks for feedback, and then she challenges the feedback provider to give her the last 10%. Because sometimes we hold back. So Jennifer always challenges me and people we work with, tell me that last 10% so that I can be better and our team and organization can be better. So your challenge when you go out of here is, What's that last 10% you need to say? So fantastic time together. Thanks for joining us. Uh, You can reach me at jeff at voltageleadership.com. Our website is www.voltageleadership.com. You can like me at Facebook, on Facebook at Voltage Leadership. Connect with me at linked on LinkedIn at Jeff Smith, Voltage Leadership Consulting. You can send me a tweet at JMU Jeff. And you've been listening to Illuminating Leadership. Thank you so much. And happy you could join us today. We look forward to you joining us next week at 1 p.m. Eastern 
4 p.m. Uh, so make that 10, 10 a.m. Pacific. And we'll be back with Volcast where we'll be illuminating leadership with yet another interesting leadership topic next week. Thank you so much, Jennifer, and everyone have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Voltcast Illuminating Leadership. Please join your host, Jeff Smith, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll discuss another engaging topic next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 